crappy insurrections, everybody, and welcome back. My gosh, it's been forever since we sat down and had a Sunday of history. Dan Dingman, Amanda Brass, welcome to 2021. What yeah. a different world than we left off. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, last time we 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 all like met up, we were in um like it was before the election right and it was um it was before the election and it was still 2020 it was september so really like like the world was still up in in kind of like ooh what's going to happen and never and since then we have you know a new president elect which will be inaugurated in a few days god willing um and uh, and also we had one of the crappiest insurrections in history happened, right? So, um, so, um, just to, just to kind of make sure that people who might not know what we're talking about, know what we're talking about, um, some supporters and please chime in if I'm not rep misrepresent, if I'm misrepresenting, but some supporters of, uh, current soon to be former president, Donald Trump, um, bought into lies around and, and provable lies bought into misinformation around uh the capital um around uh the election and they stormed the capital um and it was amazing to watch dan i'm interested as a as a student of american history what were what was going through your head when you were watching that well it was really really i mean it was unreal <clears throat> I have to be honest, the more we get away from it and think about it, like you've heard uh, people talk about there had to have been some inside work in there. Mm -hmm. And there, and then that video came out of that lady with the bullhorn, like describing the office. It's a super confusing building. I mean, I've taken you there. You've seen yeah. it. Like, it's, it's a maze. And, and it was pretty, pretty well thought out. Where, where, where people were going, so it was it was weird. It was just it was disheartening. <clears throat> Brassy, but, any uh, any thoughts on your end? <laughs> so I was not able to check social media at all that day until much later in the afternoon, and we're already hour four hour five whatever. I remember scared that we were gonna die. Yeah, it wasn't as comical right away because maybe because I was raised in Colorado, but I thought, oh, we might get today, and and I wasn't sure how we're going to cope with that stress and trauma on top of cleaning the house. I was really, really, yeah. And it turns out I was right to the girl was at the bottom of Brass, your audio is just a little weird. I'm going to, I'm going to. Okay. All right. No worries. Um, so, um, so yeah, so, uh, so it was really weird. Um, but what I think what's interesting is, and, and something that we've dealt with before is that 
these moments, they don't exist in a vacuum, right? Like, like I know people who have never been, well, I mean, I had never lived through a moment of sustained civic unrest like we did this last summer, right? Like we saw, we saw the longest, uh, the longest riots in, and and protests, uh, in American history, um, over the summer, uh, with the BLM protests. Um, and, and I remember people being freaked out about it. And I said, well, you know, like the truth is the, the MLK protests after MLK, uh, was murdered, um, those lasted 50 days. Right. And we've seen periods of sustained civic unrest. And I think there's a difference between civic unrest and what we saw um, at the Capitol. So, Dan, do you want to kind of like like tell us what's the difference between uh, between like the BLM protests and maybe even like like what happened? Like what's the difference between the attacks on federal buildings in um, in in, say, Portland? Right. By by by, say, you know, unknown groups. Um, versus the the uh, attack on the Capitol, like what would you say is the the biggest difference there? Well, the, the sustained the sustained, un, the sustained unrest seems to, I guess, build and it has a. I, I don't you and I are talking about. I don't understand what what the Capitol event was. Like it was just it was this this weird flash thing, and then everyone it was the worst flash mob ever. Ever, I guess you could argue that, right? Like they weren't singing Les Mis in the mall. <laughs> right. Well, so I think I think for oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, there's. I mean, I, I think that there's a, when you have like an actual rebellion. There's, 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 there's grievances, and it's, it, as we said, it's sustained. I, what was so weird about this is, it's, I mean, you know, you hear on the news they, they have all this chatter on the internet, but it's not sustained. It was, it was the, very rarely you see just like these one events, these one off. It's a one off event. It's, it's very bizarre, and they all went home that night. Yeah, yeah. It's they're, they're, well. Because it feels it feels a little bit, and and I think I think we're going to see this uh, in a couple of the um, in a couple of the um, things that we're going to talk about today. But I feel like in um, um, like when we talked about the the Irish Rebellion, right, of the nineteen sixteen rebellion, um, we talked about like like generating excitement, and then everybody's just like, oh, this is a lot more complicated than we thought. Um, and, and I think that the idea of, oh, we're in over our heads is really common in, in this idea of like, like revolution, especially when you're kind of in an echo chamber and, and you, you and your friends are really convinced that the wind is at your back. And then suddenly you right. get into practicing the reality of what you're like into. And it's, it just doesn't match up with what you hoped. Um, and I think 1916 was a great example of that. But I think one of the things that that like uh, that struck me um, that struck me about 1916 and and we can we'll discuss this as we go um, as we get further into this. But I think one of the things that struck me the most about the um, about um, about the 1916 rebellion and these things is that. What what we consider a failed or or successful inter insurrection um, shouldn't necessarily be defined by the moment, by the flashpoint moment, but really like how it changes the society 
afterwards, right? So we all agreed, I think, then, uh, that when the 1916 Irish Rebellion happened, it was poorly planned. Um, it was really sad. A lot of things went wrong. People kind of were half-assed about it, and a lot of like good people died for like like a like a cause that would ultimately win out. Um, and and so the question was like, was it a failed rebellion? Um, or was it a failed insurrection? If ultimately they achieved their goals, and 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 my response to that is that it's a little bit hazy, right? Like like I think I think that we could consider 1916 uh, to be somewhat of a success even though it wasn't an immediate success. And I think for, I think the, I think as we kind of go through these different things, um, it's important to see like what the, what the, what the linchpin moment is as to whether or not these different things were, uh, were successful. Um, and yeah. So with that, with that, let's, let's just kind of, let's just roll straight in to um, brass. You are bringing before us one of the most like iconic, like cinematic rebellions in history, right? Like people, people, people talked about this for, through the ages. People made movies about this through the ages. There's a there's a TV series about this. It never ceases to 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 capture you. And not not just that, but like let's face it, one of the greatest film scripts in history. Brass, what what are we talking about? Spartacus. <laughs> I'm so scared to use this mic. Is it too? Is it loud? No, it's great. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. It's almost, so it's almost too good of a mic. No, it's it's amazing. It's great. It works. It works well. So yeah. So Spartacus, the Spartacus Rebellion. Here we go. Talk us through it, Brassy. What happened? Well. As opposed to the insurrection that we witnessed a few days ago, this was about human rights. <laughs> this was about slaves. And that's a harsh word, but it was about slaves which wished to, they wished to overthrow the Romans. Or no, the Rome, they were Romans. <sighs> Brass, give give everybody your caveat. What's going on in your life today? Oh, I have food poisoning. <laughs> okay. So I just want to make sure, you know, that nobody faults you for, for, for some sluggishness and, and it's all right. Just 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 keep it going. Everything is on my computer and then suddenly I can't read anything on my computer. Oh yeah, no, that's how it goes. Uh, a, a watched computer never loads. <laughs> okay. So yeah. I, well, I love the names that I'm running across here. Seneca, brilliant uh, writer, but we don't want to get we don't want to be on the Roman side today. Right. We opposed um, this is the, we the good guys were not the Romans. No. No. So it was a slave rebellion, right? Yeah. Or also referred to as a servile rebellion, which I think is interesting. Right. Right. Um says Rome's first response here. I don't know what that means. What, I would love to hear what you guys think about it, because I've never seen the movie. Oh, my gosh. All right. Dan, do you want to give us a, a little insight into the uh, into the, the Spartacus Rebellion? 
Well, <clears throat> wasn't it also called the Gladiators Rebellion? That's right. right? Yeah. So it was. Uh, it, was it was servants, servants or slaves, slaves. Mm-hmm. and they were done. <laughs> yeah. Most 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 sort of slave rebellions, you can you can see the uh, the fire that that lit it. So, and, and uh, Spartacus, was, he was a gladiator, right? Correct. And, and, and he sort of led the, this, this uprising, but it, was, it, it wasn't just like a, a, a little thing. Like it went on and like it required the entire Roman Empire to like respond. So it was, it was a huge thing. And then, I, and, and then they made a movie about it. Yes, yes, they did. That was much later, though. That was much later. So... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so brass. Um, so gladiators, um, slaves, all of these these basically people who are serving like Roman citizens. They're just like enough of this shit, and basically they turn against their masters, right? Yeah. Then. Uh. <laughs> I'm not totally sure. I know that they were defeated. I know it wasn't. It didn't. It didn't get pulled off the way they were hoping it would. It wasn't totally successful. Right, because I mean, it takes a lot to to kind of defeat like an actual army, and I think I think part of like early successes with most rebellions is is the fact that they're they they catch people off guard. Right. And so there's right. not like there's not like a military like like action behind it, but rather it's sort of like a guerrilla action. Right. And 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 depending on the strength of that guerrilla action, um, you know, it grows or it doesn't. And I think I think that's what like they all depend on more people joining. And that's ultimately like the Spartacus Rebellion had people who joined. You had like a like a base that had literally nothing to lose i think that's also important the idea of like well how much do people have to lose um so that they join this or not right and so and so i think what what's interesting is the what happened at the capital super like middle class groups of people middle class groups of people who who frankly have nice lives right like like we saw like a lot of folks who who like took private not a lot of folks took private jets but but some folks took private jets some folks like kind of showed up and 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 weren't necessarily expecting to have like consequences or dealing with consequences over what happened whereas slaves and gladiators like the consequences for 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 small things were already huge right like beatings and death were part of their day-to-day life so so if that is part of your day-to-day life you you know your insurrection um it's it's going to be a little bit it's going to be a little bit more brutal and 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 so they did right they 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 killed their masters and 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 um and uh and kind of like went all in the thing is that a this was not so so just so folks have like a little bit of insight into sort of the Roman Empire and why there were so many slaves and why they were so pissed off, Rome Rome was on a conquering spree when this went down. <laughs> so there were a lot of slaves and there were a lot of folks who 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 were being subjugated by Rome. 
Um, and, and so, um, when this went down, Rome was kind of maxed out as far as like how many slaves were going to come into the empire. Um, and not only that, this is the third slave rebellion that, that Rome had dealt with. So, so by this time, Rome knows that there is an issue with slaves. There's an issue with, with, um, with, uh, how they treat people and that this keeps happening. The fact that the Spartacus Rebellion had, uh, got, I got to show you guys this, right? Gladiators, and here, here we see kind of a hyper romantic version of the of the Spartacus Rebellion uh, going up against Roman legions. But as you can see, like the the gladiators are wearing their gladiatorial like like outfits. Um, but um, but I think part of what what um, what captures people's imagination is that it was gladiators and it was uh, pretty successful. Careers were made on the squashing of this, right? So, um, so, um, gosh, I can't quite remember the two generals. Um, Pompey, I think Magnus was, was, uh, one of the ones that kind of made their, 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 uh, their name on this. But basically the Spartacus rebellion set everything up for, Julius Caesar and the establishment of the Roman Empire. Because what happened was to protect people from the slaves and from this rebellion, um, Rome raised legions that never quite disbanded. And so you have sort of these militarized forces now that are part of the action. Um, and Rome never really quite recuperated like back to like a full democracy after the Spartacus Rebellion. So I think that's a, that's kind of an interesting um, that's kind of an interesting aftermath. What I do think is is not a parallel um, is that this was kind of a slave thing, right? And and were slaves treated better after the the Spartacus Rebellion? So doubtful. Yeah, I don't I don't know that that's necessarily true. I mean, there's. There's there's ways of thinking about this, right? That Rome was kind of already on the route of of like like slowing down dependence on slavery because they weren't conquering as many places, and so it wasn't as important. Um, um, and so you know, there's there's arguments to be made, but I think I think ultimately nothing says how much um, how poorly Rome thought about its. Um, it's slaves and this rebellion then ultimately the the aftermath so how is right now we're seeing you know folks being hauled off to to jail by the fbi like being picked up and their grandma's getting upset and and uh you know all of these random things but brass do you know how this this uh this particular rebellion was was punished according to my note it says that sparta has abandoned is that incorrect? I don't know. Spartacus may have abandoned it. There's someone has written that he turned around and just cut all ties with it and wandered away. Interesting. I don't know how it ended. Dan, if 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 I'm not mistaken, I think all roads leading to Rome were decorated with crucifixes. Uh, yeah, and, and, and torture, torture to yep. to to show all of uh, anybody, not just slaves, but anybody, not to mess with the might of Rome. 
That's right. So, so, um, so basically, there was a mass crucifixion that was put uh, along the Appian Way, so that six thousand people were crucified up the up on the road to Rome to serve as a warning against anybody who would who would uh, who would uh, cause an insurrection. And truth be told. I believe this was the, the, the third servile insurrection was, in fact, the final servile insurrection. After after a mass uh, crucifixion, everybody thought twice before before maybe well, starting uh, this again. Go ahead, right. then. It's the, it's the same with, like, the Carthage wars. Like, we're, we're finished. <laughs> it's the same with what? The, the, the wars with Carthage. Right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, there were several wars with against the Carthaginians, and then the last one. What what did Rome do, Dan? Carthage must be destroyed. Yeah, and they went in. It's it's a pile of rocks today. Right. They they went in. They they burnt it to the ground, and then they salted the earth. Right. Right. So that nothing would ever grow there again. Done. Rome. Done. Um, and so, so here's a here's a clip from Spartacus, so that we can we can the final clip from Spartacus and Brass. You have to watch it. It's such a good. It's such a good movie. I love my Kubrick. Yes. yes. Uh, All right. And I do know that there's this famous line where everybody claims to be Spartacus, right? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so so the claiming of being Spartacus is basically what leads, <laughs> and this is of course dramatic, right? But it, it's what leads to the mass crucifixion, right? So this is the scene. Sorry, Dan, go ahead. In, in the office when he's talking about Spartacus, and he goes, everyone said they were Spartacus. Real whodunit. <laughs> Classic Michael Scott. All right, here we go. So, so a scene from the mass crucifixion scene from Spartacus. <clears throat> was and what he dreamed of. Ready, have mercy on us. Get in the wagon. Oh, my love, my life. Please die, die. Please, please die, my love. Oh, God, why can't you die?
So yeah, so and and I mean, so there's a lot to be said for that, and I think th that actually segs perfectly into our next crappy rebellion. Um, uh, but so let's just take a take for a second the juxtaposition of the child, uh, the free child, and the the sacrifice of previous generations in order for freedom to live on on this offspring. Oh, Spartacus, your child will live, will live. The reality for, for Roman slaves was nothing like that, right? Like, like it was just like, oh, you were a slave, now you're a crucified slave, and if you ever try this again, this was us being nice, right? So, um, so, but the American point of view and the American, like, like, the, the, the lesson that we take from the movie Spartacus is that, that the... The flame of freedom will never be extinguished, right? The, oh, the, we are we are protecting the fires of freedom, and um, and I think that that is something that is in our DNA, right? This idea that 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 um, a a slight personal offense uh, can can um, can be perceived as an attack on our freedoms. Right, like we saw people losing their shit because they because they got banned from Twitter, and they're like, "My First Amendment!" And you're just like, "Nee, you don't understand the First Amendment, buddy." Like that's this this has this is not your First Amendment, right? So, Dan, let's go all the way back to the beginning of our country <laughs> to one of my favorite weird little moments of American insurrection post the American insurrection which is the Whiskey Rebellion. And also, just a shout-out to one of my favorite weirdo American flags. Uh, this is the flag of the Whiskey Rebellion. Um, but, uh, but Dan, why don't, you, why don't you talk us through the Whiskey Rebellion? Because it is, it is, it is almost as American as, he's free, Spartacus, he's free. Yeah, yeah. so the, uh, the Whiskey Rebellion... <clears throat> it went on for about four years, so I'm not going to go through all of the ins and outs of it. It's, there were different, uh, what's the word I want to say? There, there, there were different sort of movements within it. But it was a classic American insurrection in that it had to do with taxes. And like, look, like our entire country, we have to do this thing of like, we're the defenders of freedom because really everything starts with just like a, a business dispute, really. <laughs> and that's, that's just not exciting, right? Like, like it's accountants and lawyers that, 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 run, our, that run our rebellions, really. <clears throat> so this one, it's called the Whiskey Rebellion because the best way to transport uh, your goods, if you live on the other side of the Appalachians, which was the frontier back in the 1790s, uh, was to turn it into liquor and then ship the liquor and also use the liquor as um, currency within your own community. Well, then there was a whiskey tax, a tax, a tax on, on, on distilled spirits. And of course that got um, these farmers who were relatively poor, I think they had a good, kind of a good argument because they were taxing what they used as money 
Whereas people in on you know in, in the east, their money wasn't being taxed. So so that caused some hard feelings and disputes. And this went on and on, and it was mostly in western Pennsylvania. And, and this sort of, is classic like cosmopolitan versus like agrarian right, like right. like headbutting, which we still see today, right? Like like even though anyway, we can we can keep going. Sorry. Um, but but what I think is so uh, my favorite uh, thing about the Whiskey Rebellion is it's certainly the one and only time that a president has actually served as the commander in chief of the army while in the field. So there's Mr. Washington leading the militia, 13,000 or so people from Virginia, Maryland, and New Jersey marching through uh, the Alleghenies, as you see there, and uh, confronting them. And it was also one of those things where George Washington shows up with the army, and everyone's like, cool. I don't know if we thought this through totally. <laughs> right? The, 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 and there it is again, right? Like, and and I think I think there's there there had to be a moment in the Spartacus Rebellion where where um you know they're they're at this point, and then they get into this point and they're like, oh, we're actually walking up against the mightiest army on the planet. Did we really think this through? And and this had got to be especially for new Americans. Like George Washington, we we know we've talked about this in our North Korea episode. We talked about how how deified um, George Washington has was becoming as a, as a leader. So you're absolutely right. I think I think this showing up. It, imagine if you're at a protest, right? If you're at at the at the bullshit Capitol protest, um, and and um, and you know, like a a a real like military leader shows up. Right, like this, right. this, the stuff kind of feels dumb. Well, and it, it, it gets real. I mean, I would argue even to the point when Nixon snuck out to the to the Lincoln Memorial and started talking to the protesters out there. Like, right, that's a famous story from the, the seventies. Like how, how, when the leader actually shows up, like how weird that all starts to get. Because it's not just yeah. a faceless entity, right? Yeah, it's it is a it's it's it becomes real, and I think that, again, like it's that separation between between um, in this country. I, I've I've always I always chuckle at at people who laugh about revolution in this country because because you know in, in Mexico, for example, um, the Mexican the Mexican um, um, the Mexican Revolution ended in like like basically. You know, there's a there's a there's a there's a really amazing documentary called the 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 wind uh, the the storm or the wind that shook Mexico. I think um, it's PBS. It's on uh, it's on YouTube. It's it's like 24 hours long. Like it's a series. You can watch it. But the final episode of that is 1968, right? Like like, and you think about the the Mexican Revolution, the Mexican Revolution starting with uh, basically in the Victorian era. And ending in 1968 um, in in some very real ways, um, and and you kind of get a feel for for people's experiences with revolution. And in this country, our experience we like to pretend like like once things that end, they're over. Like okay, that's now in the past, right? Like oh well, slavery ended. That's it. 
we don't have to even think about that anymore, right? Um, and and I, I feel like like that's a very very American thing. And so and so when the reality of like our actions and and when when you're looking at how it's impacting things, it's shaking. It, it really it really shocks folks. So who were the whiskey rebels? I guess is my question. Well, who were these people they, that that? Here's a here's a, a great by the way a great picture of the whiskey insurrection in Pennsylvania, um, and I believe that would be a a tax collector that's been tarred and feathered. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, the it was people it was uh, farmers, poor farmers that had moved <clears throat> over the Appalachians into the Ohio Valley and uh, the uh, yeah, around Pittsburgh, the Mongahela. Sorry, I can't, I can't. Anyway, the Ohio Valley. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so it was, it was fighting the elites in Philadelphia, right? And, and that's, and if you want to go back, that's how everything starts, right? In the United States, Shays Rebellion is the same way. So, so what were, what, what, what did they want in, in the Whiskey Rebellion? <laughs> Well, ultimately, they wanted the tax to be rescinded, but as they came up with reality, you know, I think there were a lot of other things going on during the 1780s and 90s. There was a big thing on, on land taxes and, and calling in debts, and the country itself was not in that good of a state financially, so I think a lot of things got called in together. And uh, it, it culminated with 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 the with the with the whiskey whiskey tax. You know, just like uh, twenty years earlier, the the, the, the stamp act was, was sort of the this sort of boring little fee is what set the fires going. And there is a the, there's always been you know uh, I I think there was a there was a talk of secession. There was, there was everything, everything that's classic to American, American rebellions. rebellions. So, so let me ask you. Let me ask you a question about like so. So this is I think this scene is pretty intense, right? Like no tax, down with tax, um, and then this poor poor civil servant being um, being uh, tarred and feathered. Which, by the way, like is there anything more horrifying than tar and feathering? Like. So here in, in California, uh, um, if you go to the beach, uh, sometimes you will step in tar because we live in a in basically like a like a fault line, like geothermal active zone, and sometimes tar bubbles to the top of the ground, some and whatever, and sometimes you'll step in tar, and anyone who's stepped in tar knows that it is impossible to get off, just impossible to get off. Brass, have you ever stepped in tar? I have not stepped in tar, but I can tell you that it is impossible to remove it from any item of clothing. Yeah. You just need to throw it away. Yeah. But you can't throw away your skin. Right. And you and they added feathers to that, which is so cruel. Um, right. And it was hot tar, right? So they would put yeah. hot tar on them. So it wasn't just like like this sort of way to embarrass people. There was... There's a high probability of being of dying, in that the tar is hot, so you're probably going to get up to second to third degree burns, and then <clears throat> the tar itself, your skin can asphyxiate once the tar hardens, 
your skin can asphyxiate. Remember Goldfinger? Yes. So there you go. And then if you survive that process, <clears throat> the quilts of the feathers can like stick into your skin and you can't pull them out and so you can get infection. It's a bacterial night. I mean, the, the, the John Adams miniseries has a great scene of tarn feathering that show how beautiful it was. Episode you, one. You kind of have to be psychotic to do this for a person. It's torture. It's awful. It's like, not, I, I have like hit people, <clears throat> but I've never like done anything like that. Or like a pie in the face. No, no that's, that's precisely. precisely. And I think, I think... I think, uh, and and again, it's like the, the the it's funny because we we talk about tar and feathering like tar and feather them like like we talk about like walk the plank right or keel haul them just things that were just like these are terms but the reality behind like go ahead Dan well go put the image back up notice how he's being delivered yeah that's where we get the phrase rode out of town on a rail. Oh dang! There you go. That's that's being rode out of town on a rail. Dang. Yeah. So so it's 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 not not only is it not very pretty, but it's extremely violent. And so, and so it kind of makes sense that these people are kind of like a little bit out of it, and they're like down with tax again. Just like like this is infringing in my in my day to day enjoyments. George Washington walks in. Everyone's like, oh shit. Um, and, and what was, what was ultimately the outcome of the Whiskey Rebellion? I feel like the, the outcome of the Whiskey Rebellion is actually kind of cool because it, it did lead to some, some very real, like, like historic, like it, it sort of led to this, this stronger centralized government like Hamilton kind of wanted, right? Right. And actually the, so the ending was <clears throat> most people were brought up on any charges those that were were pretty lenient and even ones that had serious charges they were their their executions were were you know committed or whatever it is uh i don't think anyone gets executed out of the whole thing <clears throat> but it, it also showed that um uh that that, that it proved that the federalists in hamilton Right, right. In that there needed to be stronger governance in the, on the countryside, but it also showed that, that uh, responsiveness, and, and it was sort of responsiveness to this continually growing nation. Right, like we're going to be dealing with a moving frontier line for for the next two hundred or you know one hundred fifty years. So. Right. And so that actually leads me to kind of like a weird question for you, because I've been I've been. So one of the things we 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 kind of we kind of hit on is that like for the poor slaves and, and gladiatorial class in Rome, things didn't necessarily get much better for them after the the, um, the Spartacus Rebellion. Um, but because the the. Washington didn't really have like um, a um, just wasn't into like hardcore going after fellow Americans, right? He was in, he was just like right, right, and so and so the the repercussions from the whiskey rebellion weren't that harsh. Um, 
so I guess my question to you, Dan, is did that set us up for more rebellion? If there are no consequences for sedition and insurrection, um, is that going to just become part of our, our, our national, like, like part of our, part of our personality or, um, or is it difficult to take the whiskey rebellion and kind of move it into context of, uh, later seditions like, uh, like, um, um, what was it? J Jay's? Um, Shays, Shays Rebellion. Uh, well, Shays went, went first, right? Shays went first over the same sort of arguments. Taxes. Which is what, right, right, which is what triggered the, uh, well, one of the many elements that triggered the, the Constitutional Convention. So, so okay, so we've got Shays, we've got whiskey. Was the fact that we didn't really crack down on whiskey, did that lead to the Civil War? Uh, no. I don't think it, it probably no I mean, right. I mean, it's yeah, it's in our makeup. We started with 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 the rebellion, right? And and there's always this element of, of foreign, uh, not foreign, but 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 uh, governments physically far away, right? Right. So, but the Shays rebellion, interestingly, and I'm sure the whiskey rebellion did too leads to an interesting thing that I think about American American uprisings and rebellions is, and you, you're already hearing it about what happened a couple weeks ago, is that there are always, it's not us, there are infiltrators that are, that are being bad. Right, 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 right. Like, like all the violence, Shays Rebellion, <clears throat> the violence in Shays Rebellion and the Whiskey Rebellion <clears throat> were British agents that had infiltrated. Sure. Right? Sure. So, and, and that's sort of the thing, like Americans love to rebel, but they, 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 but they don't like to admit, we're, we have a very strange relationship with, 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 with rising up and rebelling. Like we um, like it to be violent until it gets violent and then we don't, and then we don't like it anymore. anymore. <laughs> All right, so one more shot of that tar and feathering. Oh wait, nope, other kind of skin skin asphyxia. Um, but yeah, so so um, whiskey rebellion, kind of a weirdo moment in history. Um, I do have a couple of clips of like like cinematic whiskey rebellion, um, and just because it's such an oddball in American history. Um, but what's cool is this this clip jumps from a. Um, from a, a clip of Hamilton where Thomas Jefferson basically threatens with the Whiskey Rebellion, like makes a reference right. to it, which which I think is classic Jefferson crappiness. Um, like, come on, Jefferson was pretty crappy. Um, like his ideas, his ideas of of what like like democracy and and decency and rebellion and all of these things. Were from a were from such a privileged place that he, you know, he used he used other people's suffering as as kind of a, a like a like a political tool. I mean, anyway, so we it starts with a clip from the musical, um, and then it moves into uh, into like a made for TV movie, which I don't know much about, but but it talks a little bit about Hamilton and the the need for uh, for a strong centralized government, and then it moves into sort of Washington going like, okay, I guess we're done. 
no need to think about this anymore, which is also like a like a hyper American like take on on what was like really like the first insurrection of our of our like fledgling democracy. I think it's pretty amazing that Washington was just like, yeah, can we just not do this right now? Um, and I think I think <clears throat> honestly, um, after experiencing well, and, last and, week, I totally get it. Like I totally get the exhaustion of like, okay, we just finished the American Revolution. Can we just not do this, please? Um, so, uh, so yeah. So let's watch this, and then we'll jump well, to. Well, so, before go we ahead. start the clips, one thing about Washington is a lot of the people that were participating in the rebellion were former Revolutionary War soldiers, and part of the issue is 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 the United States was in a depression. And these soldiers were selling off their, uh, basically some of their pension rights to financiers in Philadelphia, Boston, New York, wherever. And these people were just, were, the, the people that were buying these pension rights were just breaking it in. Right. Right. Um, and, and I think, thank you for pointing that out because this is important, right? And that is... Um, unlike the slave rebellion, which was a true class rebellion, um, the, um, the, the, the role of the military in insurrections is super important, right? Um, because the truth is that there has never been a popular insurrection that has succeeded without the help of the, in, the the eventual help of the standing military. Um, and so these insurrections always come to an end when the, the actual military forces of the country or of the government that's in power come into play. And unless those military forces can be convinced to participate in the insurrection, you're done, right? So, so for example, the, these these uh, these uh, these guys, um, when they when they went into the Capitol, um, the there is an assumption that the police and the and the military will support them because they they do a lot of of um, they they do a lot of tips of the hat and a lot, there's a lot of um, speaking to those people because the truth is their their little uprisings will not succeed um and sure enough the capitol police put an end to it right now we're looking at the united states military uh the you know the department of defense all everybody's basically pooling in and saying no this is the legitimate government of the united states and we will support it right what what uh what the current administration was arguably trying to do is is try to try to gauge whether or not the military was standing with them right and and military leaders have had to the 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 joint chiefs had to issue a statement saying this is the democracy this is the the constitution this is what we will follow just to make sure that there's no question about what the military's role is going to be over the over the um the upcoming transition of power and so the fact that so many former um, soldiers took play, part in the Whiskey Rebellion, I would venture to argue, Dan, um, stayed Washington's hand. 
and and uh, and made uh, and made the consequences of the whiskey rebellion less than if it had been just a bunch of well. I mean, at that point in time, people were property, right? So, so let's say if it were a bunch of farmers or a bunch of or, or, or a slave uprising, I don't think Washington's hand would have been as stayed. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I would agree. Probably. Uh, well, we know that if it had been a slave uprising, it would have ended well, like Spartacus. Right. Uh, and if if it had been mostly uh, non veteran people, farmers. And let's be honest, a lot of the people that were over there were not were not the cream of the crop socially. That's why they were out there. Right, right, right. So, yeah. All right, let's watch our clip, um, including this incredible, like, like intro from, uh, from um, what do you call it? Um, Hamilton, the musical. Look, when Britain taxed our tea, we got frisky. Imagine what gonna happen when you try to tax our whiskey. Thank you, Secretary Jefferson. <laughs> Whoa. Mr. President, there's been an uprising on the Pennsylvania frontier. The farmers are in rebellion against the whiskey tax. Who knows where to land? We cannot let these rebels defy us, Mr. President, or the nation will fall apart. Federal commissioners must be sent empowered to grant amnesty if they stop now. But what if they refuse? I'll raise an army against them. I tell you, Mrs. Hamilton, if the president makes me second in command by sending our commissioners packing... Is that Barry Bostwick as, as Washington? This could be it. The conflict that will prove the need for a powerful government. Colonel Hamilton, you'll stay behind to convey my orders. But, sir... And carry sir, out and my carry policy out. of conciliation. But, sir, sir, you're not leaving your command. Yes, uh, I, I am. Lieutenant, form up the dragoons. But how can the army do without its commanding general? If there's no war, you don't need me. <laughs> yeah, that was Barry Bostwick, right? <laughs> I don't know. I think it was. Yeah, um, so Barry, Barry Bostwick, famous from... Rocky, my Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> That's right, Brad from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, so yeah, so like if there's no if there's no rebellion, you don't need me. Bye. Um, I think I think is kind of a, a a classic like Washington like like eek right like too much to deal with uh, with this new country. Um, so. Um, the role of the military, the role of the government, um, and the role of um, of veterans um, in the whiskey rebellion is a good segue into uh, into the the failed insurrection, the crappy insurrection um, that I um, that I wanted to to hone in on, and I think um, and I wanted to hone in on this because uh, from an ideological standpoint. Um, it is it is one that 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 really cost the 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 country um, where where it happened, um, and that is the the beer hall 
Putch. Is, right? Is that it? Is that it? I, I think push. I think that's how you pronounce it. The beer hall putch. Putch, putch, pushed. I, I push, 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 pushed. Pushed. I, I want to say pushed because I because was, I, I, I thought it was I thought it was called a push. I did too, but then I heard it pronounced putched. And and now I'm so the beer hall P word. Um well no, that's that just makes it sound like I'm trying to say beer hall pussy. Um the beer hall pushed put pushed putched putched. Anyway, uh, so is, that is... Like, it's uh, not a riot and a coup. It's not a coup, but it's not a riot. It's, it's a, a it's cryot. word, right? Cryot, yeah, right? Like, like the Germans don't have a word for fluffy, but they have 15 words for insurrection. <laughs> right? So this is yes, one of yes. them. Um, and so uh, basically, um, man, I, I mean... I don't know about you guys, but I love Weimar Germany um, because um, after there is there is a there's a way that societies express freedom, um, like true freedom uh, that is that is like always just thrilling. Um, and there's there's kind of these these moments of renaissance uh, when a society moves from like like one form of government to another. Right. Like there's there there are just there are these great moments of advance once once the steady footing is gotten. Um, and in the um, so after World War One, Germany decimated, defeated, um, I think I think one in five German men, uh, you know, of certain age uh, had died in in World War One. Um uh, the, the French and British are like, okay, cool, you surrender. You're, you're, you, you have to install a democracy, and you're going to pay us out the nose for reparations for all of this bullshit. Um, and so, what happens is um, there's a new democratic republic declared in Germany, but that democratic republic, which is called the Weimar Republic, is um, is uh is suffocated by the by the sort of the penalties that they had to incur from world war one right so you've got this this sort of like new german democracy um after world war one the kaiser is out um and uh and and they're they are basically the 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 western powers are just like okay now you have to uh, now you have to have a democracy, you have to pay us, you have to do all of these things. So they set up this government and there's this sort of explosion of relief in Germany. And from a cultural aspect, uh, the teens and 20s in Germany um, are just this beautiful explosion of art and and uh, and freedom. Um, and so I love that about Weimar Germany. Um, but with that art and freedom comes also like some some pretty incredible instability. Um, and so part of that instability was uh, was that um, that um, France basically took over the Ruhr Valley, which is in Bavaria, um, and basically took over a bunch of mines and a bunch of industry so that they could get the money that they they were trying to get from Germany um, in. Right, right. Um, Go ahead. Well, the Rhine Valley, just to give people an idea, is uh, it would basically have been the equivalent of like taking the the Great Lakes states. 
right? It was, it's, it's all the power in the industry of Germany. Yeah. Yeah. And Pittsburgh. Right. 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 Like all of that, like basically what is the rust belt. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it's, so it's the of Canada taking that. Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, 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 what that did was it kneecaps the uh, the economy, um, and what you have is uh, is like highly radicalized factions inside this um, inside Germany, um, kind of going at it in the in the uh, in the twenties and thirties, um, and the beer hall putscht putscht uh, happened in nineteen twenty three. Um, and you've got to you've got to think about this uh, from 1924, I think, through like the end of the 20s and even into the early 30s. Um, the the Weimar Republic was was referred to the, that era as the golden 20s. Right. So so what you think of as the beer hall putscht, which is a coup um, and we'll get into it happening in in uh, in the early 20s tells you how long it took from from that to the advent of Nazi Germany. So what we have is a highly unstable um, moment um, of, of national factionalism um, with uh, economic depression. Definitely not sounding familiar, um, but um, b happening in Germany and specifically in Bavaria. Um, and Bavaria, unlike a lot of other places like Berlin, right, um, Bavaria was a hot house of right-wing extremism. So, um, so in, um, in 1923, um, a group of former German officers, um, uh, former German World War One army like like people, got together with one of these extremist groups and decided to take advantage of the fact that uh and here they are right so so uh if you if you're a a, a history like like fan you'll recognize ludendorff you'll recognize Krebel as as big names in fact that's why they're front and center uh big names in the um in world war one and that's why they're wearing their 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 pickle haba uh hats right um and then right there to the right grasping his hat like he's trying to fucking kill it is hitler right just strangling his hat like i i hate this hat um and so um and so that group of people got together and um and said okay the government of this area munich and um and and this area Freistadt bayern um or bayern sorry the, uh, the bavarian kind of area is is ripe for insurrection so we we should plan a moment where we can walk into these government buildings um and with the help of these of these former military guys like ludendorff like krebel uh bruckner rome uh wagner all of these guys um with their help let's seize power right and i think one of the interesting things about this like versus the the um like even the irish rebellion of 1918 which was which was just like what um less than less than 20 less less than 10 years earlier right um the the irish were going at this um and and also um uh 
you know, Mussolini was on the move and doing this kind of thing, like like using former military to kind of convince people to convince the current military that this was the right thing to do. Um, and I think this is this is something that is that that separates this from the two previous. Well, yeah, in a way from the two previous is that that uh, central to the to these guys plan was convincing the military or assuming that the military was with them. And I have to say that that bears a lot of resemblance to this. Right. There, there was the assumption that the police and the military were on their side and would be on their side. Um, and, and, and a little bit of shock when they weren't. Um, and so, um, and so what happened was basically, and I don't want to get into the, the details of this because the details are stupid. Like as, as, as most failed insurrections go, like, like it's, it's literally like a group of people with some weird ideas or, or wild ideas sort of get together they create an echo chamber. They think more people are going to support them, and then it fails miserably, right? And that's exactly what but, happened. But, oh, go ahead. And, and alcohol plays a huge, a huge role in all of this. It does. Yeah, it does. Right? Liquid courage. A little bit of liquid courage. A little bit of liquid courage. So this one happened in a beer hall, uh, which the beer hall's name was the. The Burger Brockeller, which is literally the 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 beer cellar, is the name of the the place. So what was happening at the Burger Brockeller was that there was a uh, there was a government meeting, um, and this group. And again, I don't know what it is about fascists and looking absolutely ridiculous, um, but here is the 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 group that decided I, I love the little guitar by the way i don't recognize the guy to the left of hitler here but or right of hitler depending on where you're at but i guess two hitlers left uh but he's got a little mandolin hitler looks really uncomfortable in his in his um in his little um uh lederhosen look at him he's just like i, I hate wearing the lederhosen um and, think, and then i think we can agree though that it is pretty awesome that Germany has like a full drinking outfit for people. This yeah, is that, this is their this is their their drinking outfit. This is to be fair. My guess is that they were dressed more like this with you know the strangle hat outfits than this when they did the beer hall putched. Yeah, putched. I think if you see the pictures from the actual events, they're like yeah, it's more like that. Um. And so, so anyway, they're so they're like, okay, there's gonna be there's gonna be like Bavarian leaders, some who are on our side, some who are not, that are gonna be gathered at this beer hall. So we're gonna walk in and we're gonna say, "We take over," right? And so and so, um, they took a bunch of their Nazi thugs who were partially armed or completely armed. Actually, they were completely armed, um, and they were former military because because remember, part of Nazi ideology was pulling in from the veteran class and that is part of fascist ideology right fascists tend to tend to uh really go for the um the former military um and i'm not sure if it's part of the fascist minimum but anyway so so they they walk in and they're like we are taking over and there's a bunch of leaders and they're like some of them are like yeah take over and some of them are like mm, i don't know if this is such a good idea 
And and so there, there's kind of like a little bit of a back and forth. And as this is happening at the beer hall, there's a bunch of Nazis. Um, and, and these aren't the Nazis that took over Poland. These are the Nazis that had the failed putsch in, in Munich, right? So so it's kind of a bunch of dorks that, that walked into... Oh, wrong picture. Uh, a kind of a bunch of dorks that walked into uh, government buildings and, and sort of like... Um, and sort of took over um, or tried to. Um, but literally the moment they met up with the police and the military, they got pushed back like super hard, right? And so and so basically Hitler was just like, like our cop, I didn't really think about this. And and um, and there was a lot of like confusion, and then they they left the beer hall, and they kind of came back, and there was there was like, oh, so I was fighting on the street, sixty Nazis killed, um, and before you know it, like the whole thing is over, the military takes over, everybody gets thrown in jail, um, except, and here's here's like here's here's the issue, right? Like what happens is everybody gets a slap on the wrist. And everybody gets a slap on the wrist because basically the government and the people who have the jails and uh, the, the the judges and, and the, the people in the courts are just like, very, you know, they had the point about, you know, all of these things. And so um, and so what happens is Hitler gets put in jail for, I want to say, all of two months at which, you know, he has fans come in and they take pictures with him and, and they, they bring him like, like champagne and wine while he's hanging out. Um, and he gets to write Mein Kampf during the whole thing. Um, and Ludendorff, like, they're like, Ludi, such a naughty, naughty German Nazi. All right, get out of here. Not, not don't do this again next time. And, and what ends up happening is, um, the slap on the wrist basically tells Hitler that um and and the rest of them that this the next time um you need to be able to control these are these are the dopey like 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 kind of not real Nazis proto Nazis with the Darth Vader helmet there um that 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 did the beer hall pushed putched um putch putched um and so like for me um, I think the 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 cautionary tale with these guys was more along around the fact that that um, the warning signs about what a real danger these guys might become weren't taken seriously, um, and 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 in the same way that the whiskey rebellion, I feel like made Americans feel like rebellion is part of our DNA and this is okay. Right, like there wasn't a there wasn't there wasn't a a, a force for stability um, that was that was that was that came down hard on the whiskey rebellion, and I feel like that kind of that kind of led the way to like oh we can talk secession and insurrection, um, uh, you know, throughout the states, and that kind of made it easy for those conversations. Even John Brown right talked about like a like a revolution and an insurrection. Um, in the U.S. and we had like a series of small insurrections that led to the Civil War. And then after the Civil War, we still didn't learn our lesson, and we didn't say these guys were traitors, and their treachery and sedition and insurrection should be wiped from the earth. Right? Uh, instead, we put up 
we put up uh, we put up monuments for the for these people and we said oh you know we get where you were coming from instead of saying you dangerous traitors you you will never see the light of day this will never happen again right and so and so in that same way that in in um in germany you know this is basically a maga crowd right like there were a lot of people who were into it but this this uh, this was not a MAGA crowd. This was the the 500 or so people that went into the Capitol, um, and I think that there is that there's it 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 is important for folks to remember that 15 years after the failed beer hall putched, putched Hitler and his his overweight, goofy panted bunch of assholes put on their new stupid outfits right so it's it's really like a collection of stupid outfits here um uh but it put on their new outfits and 15 years later commemorated that moment and and took the six people that are the, the i think actually 15 nazis that died in that and martyred them and made them into national heroes and they took that moment and said that was the beginning of our takeover and the beginning of the Nazi, uh, the Nazi rise to power, the beginning of uh, World War II, the beginning of the Holocaust and the beginning of all of these things that still we can all argue, not argue, agree on, uh, were some of the most horrific moments um, uh, of, the, of the 20th century and in history. Um, and so, um, you know, for me, the cautionary tale around the the beer hall putched putched is that um, if you don't come down hard on it, um, especially people who know who know innately that the military and the police might be on their side, that that you are you are fomenting some some real trouble there. So anyway, so that's that's me like with the beer hall putched as my like kind of like red flag. Any any. Any thoughts on that, Dan or Brassy? Like, did I get anything wrong, Dan? Not the, I, I don't know a whole lot about the events, but uh, I, I well done, well done. <laughs> Good way of bringing it together. Um, so um, there is a really crappy movie because this is all about crappiness, um, and I think Hitler movies, by and large, tend to be crappy, with the possible exception of Downfall, which is the the only non-crappy uh, Hitler movie, and it's and and the reason is because it's it's the one that took the most care to just kind of present the facts without like a lot of uh, allow actors to act, but present the facts as they were. Um, but uh, there is a pretty crappy um, movie called Hitler Rise to Power or Hitler Rise to Darkness. And it's got, uh, God, you guys know I'm terrible with actors named Begbie from, uh, from uh, Train Spotting as Hitler. Robert Carlyle. Yes, Robert Carlyle plays Hitler. Wow. Yeah, well, and I mean, you can kind of see it, right? Like, like look at, look at. <laughs> <laughs> Begbie was two steps away from Nazi, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so you look at you look at um, you look at Hitler in this picture here, and you can actually kind of you can get that Robert Carlyle um, intensity to it. Um, what I think is good about this clip is that it shows 
it shows just how difficult it is to pull something like this off. And it also shows that, that, oh shit, we're in over our heads or, oh shit, this isn't working out like we expected it to moment. Um, there are Japanese subtitles in it. So, uh, pardons, um, to everybody. You'll recognize some of the actors in this, by the way. It's, uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty amazing cast, all things considered. Um, but there's also the, the sort of like, like, um, like old school, like, uh, like Ludendorff types where they're like, um, I have to go home and check on my wife. Is that okay? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go home and check on your wife. Um, kind of moments which are nece don't necessarily make for the most the most put together insurrection, uh, but anyway. So let's watch this. Um, let's watch 2003. this clip. Two thousand three. Let's get ready to talk about some of the cast we're going to see in this too, because it's pretty pretty amazing. All right, here we go. So yeah, so these are the crappy Nazis, right? Like these are these. This isn't the, the the guys who took over Poland. These are the guys who failed here. There's an armed group heading towards the barracks. We'll cut off your Johnson, Lebowski. This is happening. Nobody does anything right. That's your conscience. Conscience. A Jewish invention, sir. Conscience. Do you mind if we visit our wives, General? They'll be worried. Of course. Of course. Mustn't worry. The poor women. Mobilize the army. Now. What the hell's happening? There are too many of them. Somebody must have betrayed us. What are you doing here? Where's Carr and the others? Oh, I let them go. Their wives were a concern. Well, that's all right. They gave me their word. They would notify the authorities. Good God! Follow me. Let's go. Check to the streets. We'll take to the streets! We'll go to the war ministry. There were 8,000 people at the circus Krona the other night. As soon as they know what's happening, they will support us! Yeah, and this is kind of the old crap moment. <laughs> All right, so suffice to say, Hitler doesn't get killed. Um, but, um, but yeah, but it, it is, it is kind of like, you see a lot of similarities here, right? Like, like guys cosplaying military, right? Like, 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 
you know, the Nazis weren't the actual military. The military is right there in front of them. They are now taking up arms against the military, right? And so, and so the lesson that Hitler learned from the, the Beer Hall Putsch was, I have to take over the government so I can take over the military so then I can do whatever the hell I want. Right. And right. They, I can't believe that they go up against seasoned World War One. Troops, okay. right, yeah. Troops, wow. Well, but I mean, a lot of them were like that. I mean, Hitler was a World War One veteran, right? Um, but um, but anyway, so Dan had to bounce, which is which is par for the course for this slightly slightly creaky, but but also like fun uh, fun day at um, at uh, History Happy Hour. Um, but anyway, uh, just. Glad to be back, Brassy. Glad to see you. And any, any. By the way, any comments on like that amazing cast, right? I was on IMDb going, you and you, Peter O'Toole's in this. What? Peter O'Toole is in it. Peter O'Toole is in it as a German. Yeah, nothing, I mean, nothing more off-putting than Brit playing Nazi, like in their British accents. Like, I mean. It kind of it kind of makes sense, right? Because British accent is inherently evil. Well, in America, in American Hollywood, it is. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, uh, Alan Rickman. Right. Eddie Izzard did a whole bit on that. Right. About yeah. Um. But anyway, mm -hmm. so we have so much more to go in this next year. Like, uh, we planned some some conversations around crappy elections as well and there's a lot uh there's a lot of history always happening around us and i think context is going to be super important um so i think rather than us like trying to trying to decipher historical events we'll be doing a lot more of this uh but until then brass it was a pleasure seeing you again hope you feel better sorry about the botulism um and uh you know i, I rolled the dice this weekend with some fresh oysters so uh, i came out yeah. I came out the other side just fine, though. Yeah, okay. you did. I'm, I'm so okay. Pleased. So, all right. Bye, Brassy. All right, bye. bye.